the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. Well, the summit has concluded instead of the expected four and a half hours tete-a-tete between Vladimir Putin and the man who bears the title of the President of the United States. It only uh, lasted for about half that duration. And then afterwards, a separate press conference was held by each of the people who attended. And we will dissect the responses, the summaries from uh, Biden himself. But somebody else had to pitch in with her take on what this man who runs Russia tried to do to her. That's Hillary Clinton, cut seven, play cuts. I think Joe Biden uh, has learned a lot, as we all have. And, mm-hmm. you know, remember, you know, Putin made it his mission to deny me uh, the presidency in part because, you know, I did uh, raise issues that were uncomfortable with him. I did speak out about uh, the oppression uh, and frankly, the rigged elections uh, in uh, Russia. Putin made it his mission to stop her from becoming the president. Let's ask uh, for some input from one of your favorite guests. He is, of course, the senior fellow at the Hoover Institute in Stanford, Professor Victor Davis Hansen, author of the new book, The Dying Citizen, How Progressive Elites, Tribalism and Globalization Are Destroying the Idea of America. Professor Hansen, how indicative uh, of a broader opinion is what we just heard from former Senator Clinton that Russia tried to deny her the presidency? Is that one crazy opinion or could it be worse than that? Oh, I'm afraid, Sebastian, it's much worse. Everything she said was completely untrue. Got to remember that right after Obama was inaugurated, she went on a tirade that George Bush had appeased the Russians in South Ossetia by his meager sanctions. And that was, uh, she he had appeased them, uh, but they were going to uh, reset with Russia, and she got this little jacuzzi button in Geneva and pushed it, mistranslated the word for reset. And then she said that actually Bush had been too mean to Putin and that she was going to, to open up this uh, window and that no more sanctions, no more lectures to Putin. He was going to be a part strategic partner. And then remember in 2011 in Seoul, Barack Obama said that he was willing to uh, give up some um, security, missile security with the Eastern Europeans if Putin gave him space during his re-election bid in 2012. And I need no need to say that John Kerry invited Vladimir Putin into the Middle East after 30 years of a hiatus. So they appeased him. And the result was as soon as Obama got elected, Putin went on a tirade in 2014. He went into Crimea. He went into Ukraine. And the only person ever stood up with him 
to him was Donald J. Trump. Donald Trump increased the sanctions. He flooded the world with cheap oil that hurt Russia. He killed 200 mercenaries. He got out of that asymmetrical anti or that short term uh, missile deal. Uh, and he jawboned Russia. And uh, already Biden has approved the pipeline. He hasn't done anything about hacking. What does he mean that he's learned a lot about Putin? All he's learned about is to how to be afraid. Putin's a a Machiavellian, satanic, but brilliant interlocutor. And when he said the other day that, uh, look at the people at the Capitol, they were political protesters. Your, your law enforcement killed one person. He was doing what the Chinese did before by blaming racism, American racism, for tying the lab to the origins. And the left, of course, loved that. And now they can't say a thing when Putin mimics that same tactic. How effective is it, Professor Hansen, when somebody like Putin, yes, we understand the limitations of the Russian Federation, the shrinking economy, but, but still, if you've got a nation of 11 time zones, you are geostrategic no matter what. How effective is it when somebody like that, a former KGB colonel, brings up Black Lives Matter and rioting in America after the first summit meeting with the, with the new head of state in the United States. Well, he has, no, he has no apprehensions. He has no fears. And it is very effective because what he's basically saying is, you people lecture me, but I'm not going to lecture you. I'm just going to play back what you say about yourself. And so when you go on these apology tours, this re redux of, Barack Obama, and you can continually uh, castigate your own culture and society, then you don't have any moral authority to say you have to do this, or you did that, or you're authoritarian, or you did this to the Wagers. So these leaders in China and Russia are saying to us, okay, you know, uh, some hackers took out a pipeline, and wow, some hackers also... Uh, were interrupting meat supplies, but you guys said that meat was bad for you in the first place, and you said you were going to get off fossil fuels in 15 years. So all we're doing is expediting your own agenda. So you, we, when we do this, we open ourselves out to very effective propaganda to answer your question. And, and how intriguing is it, if you're following geopolitical trend lines, to see that this is actually a pattern, to see in the first China-U.S. summit in Anchorage, already the chief communist diplomat used the talking points from the, the left wing here, throwing BLM and riots in the face of Antony Blinken, the, 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 the cabinet-level diplomat who has no reaction. The, the idea that communist China and the Russian Federation are using domestic talking points together. Isn't that, doesn't that protect, I mean, you are the, the, the master historian on strategy, on, on ancient Greece and so forth. Doesn't that potentially presage action when, when dictatorial or authoritarian regimes use that kind of language? They're not just talking, are they? No, they're not. I mean, Khrushchev beat up Kennedy in, in the first summit. And guess what? Yeah. A little over a year later, he went right into Cuba. And guess what? Dean Acheson told the world that South Korea wasn't in our realm of defensive responsibilities. And guess what? A few months later, the North crossed the DMZ, the, DMZ, the 38th parallel. So same thing with April Glaspie. She said to uh, Saddam Hussein, it's not our interest to Kuwait. interfere right. yeah interfere right. in internecine arab squabble, uh, squabbles and then guess what he went into kuwait so 
they were testing us in Alaska. Putin studied that uh, Chinese-American mini-summit, and he understands that Biden is weak. And if you want to have a territorial expansion or some type of uh, advancement or gain of interest. This is, he thinks, and the Chinese think this is the time to do it. Doesn't mean they'll do it because there's other interests that they have to consider, but they feel that there, it's less likely now that the United States would muscularly respond to an aggression on their part. And that's dangerous because deterrence depends on the enemy knowing exactly your capability, but not knowing exactly when you may strike. But when you cut the defense budget, and you broadcast that you're fine with selling them, uh, helping with the, the uh, pipeline, or you're ca castigating your own country, or you're not doing anything about hacking, then you are saying to them, we're not going to, we're going to be predictably docile, but we're also going to cut back and use our savings to help the homeless and other things that the left has proposed in the defense savings. And, and, and not only that, when the G7 prior to the NATO summit, prior to the Russia-U.S. summit, when, when their focus or what they message to the world, Professor Hansen, is, well, we need a, a, a universal corporate tax for our nations. We need to focus on climate change. How, how does China and how does the Kremlin look at that? Well, they're delighted. <laughs> They're saying, well, wait a minute, you're going to take this big hit in your economy and go over to unreliables and expensive, quote-unquote, renewable fuels while we're going to pump gas and burn coal? That's fine with us. And you're going to do all of these gender initiatives, and you're going to do all of these social contexts and address the homelessness. And you're basically, that 25-page G7 summit blueprint was doctored, or I guess it was wholesale, wholesale fashion borrowed from the Great Reset at Davos. That was Klaus Schwab, Schwab, uh, Schwab's. That was him, Schwab. That was his idea, that we were going to use the COVID crisis to restructure capitalism and to get greater equity and climate change uh, remedies. So these people love it, uh, China and Russia. And we did Sebastian violate the cardinal rule of American diplomacy that yes. neither Russia or China should be closer to each other than they are to us. We wow. drove them into each other's arms through the Russian collusion hoax. Not only that, from the podium at NATO, we had uh, Biden attack Republicans. I think we need to play that clip next. If in fact they violate these basic norms, we will respond. Cyber. He knows. In the cyber. I think it's appropriate to say that um, the Republican Party is vastly diminished in numbers. The leadership of the Republican Party is fractured. And the Trump wing of the party is the bulk of the party, but it makes up a significant minority of the American people. And we'll see. That was Biden from the podium at NATO headquarters in Brussels, talking of the GOP being greatly diminished and having a fractured leadership. We are talking to Professor Victor Davis Hansen, the author of the new book, The Dying Citizen. Uh, as a historian, I, I'm not a professional historian. I'm a complete amateur, but I'm trying to recall if any president has been so outspoken in terms of 
a domestic political attack on a foreign stage, and if it ever has ever occurred, either by Democrat or Republican, from the headquarters of the NATO alliance, I, I can't recall since 1949. Has it ever happened? No, I can't think so. And I think uh, that what I'm even more worried about is that he does he carries a twig. And he talks loudly. So he keeps talking about, we're going to do this and do this and do this to you, Putin. And we've got all this capability. And Putin's thinking, well, I, I knew that all along. But you didn't do anything <laughs> about the pipeline. And you haven't done anything about the hack. So it's even more embarrassing to you that you have the capability, but you're apparently afraid to use it. Uh, we we uh, have to discuss your latest piece. It's at American Greatness, Anatomy of the Woke Madness. We're posting it now on our Twitter and Facebook pages. Even just, just the subheadings uh, are so telling. Performance virtue signaling when individuals disappear, racism everywhere and thus nowhere. And the last, when merit is racist. Let's illustrate how this is truly a top-down phenomena. This is the man who has the highest rank in the U.S. Navy. He has one job to make sure the Navy functions. He's the CNO, the Chief of Naval Operations. We've discussed him before on America First. Admiral Mike Glill. Gilday responding to Congressman Jim Bax, asking him a question about the Admiral's recommended reading list for the whole Navy. Cut 12. Kendi's book states that capitalism is essentially racist. And Kendi is clear that racism must be eliminated. So yes or no? Do you personally consider advocating for the destruction of American capitalism to be extremist? Here's what I know, Congressman. So yes or no racism question, in the United States Navy. Admiral, you I, recommended I every sailor in the United States Navy read this book. So yes or no question. I'm not forcing anybody to read the book. It's on a recommended reading list. Admiral, did you read the book? I did. Okay. In college, Kendi stated that white people are a different breed of humans and are responsible for the AIDS virus. Yes or no, do you personally consider the conspiracy that white people started AIDS to be an extremist belief? Sir, I'd have to understand the context. That is a simple question. Made. I'm not going to I'm not going to Admiral, this is a book I'm that you recommended every defend, sailor in the United States Navy cherry read. picked quotes from somebody's book. I'm not going to do that. This is a bigger issue than Kendi's book. I think it is a bigger issue than Kendi's book. And, and the Admiral said that you have to understand the context. I'm trying to think, uh, Professor Hansen, is there a context in which recommending a book by an author like Ibrahim Kendi, who believes AIDS was manufactured to kill black Americans, is, is there a justifiable comp uh, context for that? Well, there's the real reason and there's the pretext. Yes. And the pretext is he didn't know what, what was what was going on and that he wanted to ingratiate himself with the powers of be. And so, but deep, but the subtext or the real reason underneath all of this is we've got a problem in the military where at the three and four star rank, especially at the top of each branch of the services, they go in and out of Raytheon, General Dynamics, uh, Lockheed, uh, Honeywell, all of these defense contractors, and the left does not say a word. They used to damn them to hell. And now what happens is these admirals and generals 
are completely disconnected with the men below them and women. They're creatures of the Washington culture. They know exactly how to virtue signal their wokeness to left-wing people in Congress. And in exchange for that, they are allowed to have very lucrative careers beyond the military as if there is no conflict of interest of using your familiarity with the labyrinth of the Pentagon to enhance a defense contractor's uh, viability. And they're rewarded for it. And so here we have this obs obscene example of these again and again and again, these generals and admirals who will become multimillionaires in the capitalist system that's why I'm bringing this up, because it relates to the quote about capitalism. But then as sort of a pretext and to show their virtue signaling performance art wokeness, they'll uh, appease these people and encourage them because they have no skin in the game except their own careers, which are enhanced by this appeasement. And so I, I find it really shocking. There's, there's no I don't see a bunch of African-American or Latino or Asian or American Indian sailors coming to the admiral and saying, we've got to have this book on. Yeah. We've just got to. That's this is a top down, elite driven academic political phenomenon. You make this point at the very opening of your, your article, The Anatomy of the Woke Madness, that it is a top-down driven phenomena. I have to ask you, given the developments of the last two weeks, uh, just the last two weeks, where we see parents, where we see young teachers publicly, publicly push back on critical race theory, talking about its Marxist roots, talking about its bigoted tenets. Does this at least buoy you to a certain extent that there is some bottom-up resistance? It does, because what they are reacting to is the absurdity of wokeness, but more importantly, they have an innate sense that every aspect of wokeness, from open borders to the Green New Deal to critical race theory to this new repar reparations movement, all of them have no no majority support. They don't poll 50%. So what people are starting to say is these people have, in coup-like fashion, grabbed the reins of power in all of our institutions, but they have no popular grounds. So, so if we can just tell the world that they're absolutely naked and they don't have lavish robes like the emperor's clothes, then people will see that this is a, a fraud. And I think that's why people are coming forward. And it's not the proverbial white suburban mom soccer mom it is latinos and blacks and everybody because they understand that this is very deleterious and injurious to their own children and fascinatingly it's not even white americans born here it's people like Tatiana Ibrahim from New York who came on our show. It is Lilith Venetian who escaped Soviet uh, Republic of Armenia. Why is it that these people understand? Because they know the end product of all this ideology. It's the anatomy of the woke madness. Read it now. It's on our Twitter and Facebook pages. Follow Professor Victor Davis Hansen at VD Hansen and order his book, The Dying Citizen, How Progressive Elites Tribalism and globalization are destroying the idea of America. Thank you, Professor. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today.